I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome back. We're closing in on the end of the Sermon on the Mount now. It's all coming together here. Like any good sermon, we have a closing and a call to action, but it is such a different ending than you and I may be accustomed to. And it was certainly different for his hearers. He's calling them to listen to him. He's not like any other teacher in the way he points so squarely to himself as the ultimate authority. What makes Jesus our best judge and hope? We're going to explore this question, but as we do, I believe we will see it as inexorably linked with how difficult his call to action is. And we'll start here. We're going to do a few different things in these next episodes. First, we're going to read the rest of the chapter for context. We want you to hear how each part is connected. Then we're going to focus, as we've been doing, on the various pieces that make the whole. Tim, you want to read this? Sure. Uh, Matthew 7, starting in verse 13. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers." Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thanks, Tim. So this section follows logically from the beginning of chapter 7 in the Judge Not episodes we did, transitioning now to the ultimate judge. But before we dive into the rest of this, I want to return to the golden rule. We said in a previous episode that the golden rule in verse 12 is difficult to group. Sometimes... You find it grouped with prayer, like we did, a sort of bookend to what began in Matthew 5, 17, a summation of the law and its purpose. Other times you find the golden rule grouped with verses 13 onward. What connects the golden rule with the rest of chapter 7? How does it serve as a knuckle between the two sections of teaching? So I I can start with this one. Um, 
I think the golden rule, it, it talks about how you treat people. And, and that's really what the, the golden rule says, if, you're, if you don't remember it from the last pod. I wasn't here. It says, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And this is a hint that how we treat people is a really critical thing in the law and the prophets. And Jesus is communicating, if we didn't already hear it, that in the law, in the prophets, in all the writings, all the tradition of the Old Testament, of the Jewish faith, how we treat, how people are treated is what matters to God. Um, And some of the listeners and the way some of them viewed the world, it was easy to lose sight of how much God cares about how we treat people and how we are to people. And I think the, the golden rule being there is Jesus is bringing us back to that, that how you treat people really matters to God. And so you see that connecting then through the rest of chapter 7, right? Yes, I see I see that I see more to come yeah. on that. I have <laughs> not going to not going to get ahead of ourselves too much right now. Okay. We're going to try to stay on topic. Um, but th- I think there was a, a strain in Judaism at that time that had that was very focused on strict adherence to the law mm-hmm. and to the rules and I think the Pharisees are an example of this as they they followed the law better than any of us ever will. And they also forgot about treating um, margin, the marginalized well. Ah. They, it, there was a bit of a strain there, and it's likely that Jesus' audience here was heavily Pharisee. Mm-hmm. We don't have proof for it, but in, if it was where a lot of people think the Sermon on the Mount was, uh, was spoken, then it would make a lot of sense that it was a heavily Pharisee area so it would make a lot of sense that a lot of the people listening were Pharisees. Yeah, I think that so in the early part of the sermon, there was a lot of Jesus saying, you've heard it said, mm-hmm. and he would quote a law, and then he'd say, but I'd say to you, and it's more the application of the law. And I think that what what he what he does sort of with the golden rule is the culmination of all of that is it is about, as you were saying, Jim, it's about how you treat people. It's about how you actually act, how you actually live, and not about um, dotting the I's and crossing the T's of the law, which is what um, Jesus was preaching against at that point. He was talking about, you, you know, don't, don't, it, it, murder is bad, don't murder anybody. Yeah. But I tell you, let me tell you what that means. That mm-hmm. means... You can't hate anybody. That means you can't. He's talking about the practical way of living it. And I think that the 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 hinge point here with the golden rule is now he's going to talk about more about the implications of the decision that you make hmm. about how you're going to live. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, just that the thing I think I can add to that, you know, I just – joined a condo board and there's a there's a document that describes how that board operates and the responsibilities that it has mm-hmm. and it's very easy to forget what's in the document <laughs> and you kind of can drift mm-hmm. and you think that you know the measure of what you're doing 
like if you're doing a good job or not, becomes something else that's not mm-hmm. actually described. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot that Jesus talked about in these chapters. And to me, the golden rule is that you know, the essence, you know, hey, if, if you have a trouble remembering, <laughs> if you have a trouble remembering what we're talking about here, what what's the what's the measure of of obedience or doing my will or whatever the you know the things that we're going to talk about moving on hey this is it right yeah. this is the summation of that <clears throat> yeah i i saw this as uh it, not to rehash what you all have said because i i agree like the summation of the law um but <clears throat> i i see a a through line here maybe with trust because mm-hmm. i think that we are able to love others because god has loved us but I think as we transition to the rest of chapter seven, what I see here is is um, God, uh, or Jesus, putting himself as as our ultimate judge too. Uh, his words will be the ones that that judge us in the end, and uh, whether we've adhered to them or not. And and so I see a, um, a sort of a like I can let go if he is actually judge. I don't have to judge this person. It's sort of, I think it also follows from the beginning of the judge not uh, section of the beginning of chapter seven, but, but it's just this idea of, um, you know, regardless of how others treat me, I can still treat them the way I want to be treated, even if I'm mistreated, because I know that God is a God of justice and he'll take care of it. I don't need to. Mm. Mm. No, that's good. You don't have to judge them. You just have to treat them well. Yeah. That's 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 solid. So speaking of transitions, because we've used that word a few times already on this pod, uh, we're going to get into the narrow and wide gates. And uh, before we start really just just hacking and slashing here, um, since this is a heavily Jewish audience, so we want to we want to understand what the audience was thinking. Uh, The specific uh, thing of life and destruction what would that call to mind for some for a good Jewish hearer? Yeah, I think this is a. I think he's doing like a classical biblical trope kind of thing here. He's he's just presented his law of the kingdom, if you will. Right, the, he's been going through the Sermon on the Mount here, as you've heard it said, just like Van was saying. But I say, uh, and now he does the sort of thing you see Mo- Moses do at the end of Deuteronomy, where you know the blessings and curses section. You can choose the broad road that leads to destruction, or you can choose the narrow road that leads to life. It's so similar to Deuteronomy 30:15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, that you can almost hear Jesus say, choose life. So I think that would be one of the things that the, the hearers would probably be attuned to. I think maybe another thing they might be thinking of when they hear this, and especially as we get into the rest of the chapter, is Psalm 1. I think that's a pretty pretty potent psalm here. Um, it's connected with uh, our dependency on God and his word, the tree and its fruit symbology, the righteous path and the way of the wicked that will come to ruin in the judgment. Yeah, I, I think I think a good uh, a Jewish hero would say, oh, Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. They, they, it would just immediately, when he uses those two words in conjunction, just go, oh, okay, that's it. I, when, when I saw this question, Jim, I was... Uh, just feeling like, oh, I feel like I'm going to learn something here because I couldn't make, I couldn't think of that like immediately when I was l- reading it. Um, so I was trying to think, maybe there's something on Isaiah, you know, there's talk about that, the path, different paths of like good paths, bad paths, and Isaiah and Jeremiah. But that's really helpful to hear. 
that those might be in there. I'm not going to make that case here because I haven't yeah. done the, the work. The Deuteronomy too. one feels like right in front of your face. As yeah. soon as you say it, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like it's going off with a siren yeah. that it's Deuteronomy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, and I, I don't want to uh, repeat what's been said, but I think it's important to note that this is not brand new to this right. audience that this is the, he's speaking to them in terms that are familiar to them yeah. and about concepts that are familiar to them. It's not, it's not rocket science so, to them. It's not something that's just completely, wow, this is new and exciting. It's the same old thing. I, if it's okay, I'd like to just pull the thread that Van just started for one second before we move on. And I think that's a really good thing that for us to remember as we read about Jesus's life and as we read about the Sermon on the Mount, the people he uh, was dealing with, they knew the entire Old Testament front to back. Mm. They had the whole thing memorized. They've heard all of it. They knew all the stories. Uh, if you you could give them like a really random reference, they would be able to pull it up and start reciting the rest of the story. So it's not it's not like any of the anything he says is just out of thin air and he's also talking about concepts like van said that are very familiar to mm. these people this isn't like a new idea necessarily and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that at the end but anyway. cool so the parallel passage for this one in the book of luke i'm moving on to the next question here by the way it's in Luke 13, and it's prefaced by the question that Jesus has asked, will only a few people be saved? Do you think that that's the implication of the wide and narrow roads, that only a few people will be saved? So, I'll, I'll start here. I, I think uh, <laughs> I, could, I could talk about this for a while, but I, I will try to be concise. I think that Jesus uses destruction here instead of death to reference um, the Deuteronomy passage, which have two very different meanings. I, I actually, do, I'll give the bottom line up front. I don't think this is actually talking about salvation in the Christian terms. Um, that wasn't really a thing at this time. And the way this is structured, this is at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. So it's not like he's had a lot of time with his disciples to build a foundation of what we would refer to as heaven and hell. I don't think that was a huge uh, thing. I also don't think he's like referencing it, doing a thing that goes over their heads for us later, because that's just not what rabbis did. They didn't teach that way. Um, And I think it's interesting, again, that he uses destruction, which when I looked it up in the Greek, is less like uh, your home is destroyed by a natural disaster or by an earth or something, and more, it's not a loss of being, it's a loss of well-being. Um, I, I think it's interesting that that's what he uses instead of saying uh, life, you know, the narrow road leads to life and the wide road leads to death, he uses the word destruction. And I think he said the wide road leads to a loss of well-being. I actually don't think he's talking about heaven and hell and salvation. And, and those concepts will come later. Uh, those I'm not saying those aren't biblical. 
They are. They're real. They, Jesus talks about it. I just don't think that's what he's referencing right now. I think what he's trying to tell us is that um, we're, we're coming to, uh, he's, he's trying to say, this is what life looks like. This is what the life that you were promised in Deuteronomy looks like if you follow the narrow road. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I, this is hard for me to answer because um, when you bring in Luke 13, I think maybe we could come back to the heaven and hell thing um, uh, in that context. But just looking at this verse, um, I, I, I can't I, – when I look at Matthew 7, I can't – from this point on, I, I almost take it all together and I can't – it's hard for me to take out – the the parts where it feels like he's just ramping it up like it starts here with you can go that way or this way or that way uh and uh and it just seems to ratchet up through the rest uh culminating with uh the lord lord passage not many of you will and enter and 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 like some of the scariest language that in the bible like if that doesn't wake you up i don't know what will and then it kind of uh uh, like, anyway, I, I don't know. This is tough for me to think about because, um, I think with the Deuteronomy 30 passage, at least Moses got to say, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. I read this and I think, man, this is, this is hard. This seems hard. Something about this seems mm-hmm. really intense. I don't know if it's, uh, heaven and hell, uh, but destruction seems bad in this context either way. And, uh, and I think, I think he, he may be taking this, uh, why he's taking this tack is interesting to me too. I, I think, I, I think it's intended to drive home our need for a savior, not mm-hmm. just a religion or a philosophy. And, and I don't think he's advocating some kind of moral improvement or self-help agenda in John. He says, he's the way the, the truth and the life, mm-hmm. and he's the gate we must enter to find life. So I think all of this is pointing to him in our dependency. I, I also I, I was just looking through it. I, it does feel there there are some similarities in the Luke passage. Um, there's also some major differences, mm-hmm. and, and I think before I think we want to be careful before we just presume that he's making the same point to the same people. Um, and it and it feels pretty close together, but it also. There's some major differences between those two. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I want to make sure we're not just going, and I, I would caution myself and anyone else to go, oh, this feels pretty close. Well, yeah, it might feel close, but they're all, there's some major differences in language and imagery and all of that. So we want to be make sure we're not like drawing the too many parallels where there aren't any mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, I think this was one of the most interesting things for me. Uh kind of where I was learning the most researching this. Uh, We are not reading the parallel passage in Luke 13 because it's kind of long and Luke's just long in general. But like (laughs) that whole section, like if you go back and read like Luke 12 and Luke 13, Mm -hmm. there's so much about judgment, about being, about the disciples being ready, like uh, ready servants that don't know when their master's going to come back. There's a whole section about like who's going to, Who's going to perish, right? And right. Jesus is like, oh, yeah. these people aren't more guilty than you. Right. You need to repent. There's like the section about that we're talking about, the parallel passage where 
you're basically not people are not being welcomed into uh-huh. the into the door because the master says I know I don't know you. So like a ton of stuff that mm-hmm. seems pretty clear about being ready for Jesus when he returns, yeah. as well as like other things like repentance in, in the current age. Um, but that's that's I think the key thing for me. I, I kept on reading Matthew seven here, this wide and narrow gate, and I've always just thought about it where I go when I die, right? That's just immediately like which which gate am I gonna enter, right? And it's always about a future thing. Mm-hmm. And you guys know I like always am prepping for this by looking at the early Christians. And I was reading the early Christian quotes and I thought, oh, they're saying the exact same thing. And then I was prepping, I was reading him again and I was like, wait a second. Cause they're like, if you look at the Didache or like a lot of the early Christians, they'll talk about the kind of the two ways. Mm-hmm. And then they define the two ways by like conduct. Like they mm-hmm. talk about, basically they summarize a certain amount. They summarize mm-hmm. other parts of Jesus' teachings, the 10 commandments. And they're like, this is the way of life. And then they summarize the inverse of that. And they're like, this is the way of death. Mm-hmm. And then, and they say like, and that, you know, which one you're walking in dictates who you're, if you're walking with God or if you're walking with the devil and that's going to determine if you live or die. But like the emphasis is on the, what are you doing now? Mm-hmm. Like, are you right. living in obedience and faithfulness to God um, yeah. Yeah. and to the teachings? And so I think there's been so much of my own journey in the past couple of years that has been about uh, taking my own faith and saying, okay, there's a lot of intellectual things in my faith, but the crux of it is like, what does my day-to-day life look like, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Like my my obedience to Jesus needs to be internalized in my daily habits and routines and reactions to what comes into my life. And to me, like, I do think Jesus is kind of foreshadowing heaven and hell, but I think he's emphasizing Right, yeah. right, right before it, right? The mm-hmm. golden rule. Like yeah. he's laying out the, there are two ways to live that are very different, that have very different consequences right now, in 10 years, in 25 years for your community, in 150 years. And, and you got to live the narrow yeah. way because that's the one that produces life. Tim, Does that make sense? I, yeah. No, I had a similar, I did the same thing. I was like, let me look at Luke 13 and then let me look what's right before that? And, you know, you get the repent or perish and then you get the parable right after that. And then you, well, what's 12? And you start seeing like, yes, Luke is definitely talking about something. I mean, there's some, there's a lot in chapter 12 that, that relates to notions of heaven and hell, like fear him who after your body has been killed and has authority to throw you into hell. He literally says hell. And then he taught references, judgment seat and angels of God and uh, being ready and then referencing his winnowing and judgment. There's a lot in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came back to Matthew, I kind of had a similar kind of thought that, um, and, and, oh, even, I forgot about this, but in the end of of Luke 13, I think is a reference to Zechariah 14, right? The the feast, the wedding, the, the I think he's referencing that in somehow. So there's this idea mm-hmm. that, okay, there's some future thing. But I do think, uh, what you're saying, Jim, is right too. That, and what you're saying, Tim, that uh, there's this sort of thing happening right now too. And it, and the path you're on right now does determine your ultimate future. But this is also like a an appetizer for heaven or hell right now. Mm-hmm. Like 
we're in the in-between stage of of the ages and you've got like the church age now where you've got this overlap and we're not it's been initiated but not consummated and so we're we're on we can be on a path one or the other mm-hmm. and we can taste some of the the fruit of of relationships that because we've got forgiveness we can forgive others and we can understand love and all these great things but that's just a, a small appetizer for what heaven will be like mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and I, I think it just to, to, I've probably said this in previous pods, but it's never a good practice to presume that a passage means something for us that it didn't mean to the original hearers. And it's always a good practice to go, okay, what would they have heard this to mean before we start like right. projecting all of, yeah, not not even extrapolating, but just like projecting all of our. 21st century, like well-developed ideas onto the passage, Mm -hmm. which we do a lot of. I do it. We all do it. But before we start projecting our ideas, it's really good to ask ourselves, what would the person hearing this at this time have thought? Mm -hmm. Um, We might have time for one more question. Now, all right, we're gonna. No, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do a long one. All right, fine. Let's. Okay. 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 No, I guess you, you, we should like, finish. Number f- the, the, the other question right, we're going to ask right, is right. super similar, yeah. to what we just did, we, and then we can, I feel like we just let's just yeah, let's just let's just let's just, just finish. Through. Okay, let's we're going to go through. Let's, let's, let's just do it. Wow, All right. you know, I, I got, I got, it. I got it. This is guys, we're breaking new ground here <laughs> for us. Exciting. Um, it's exciting. We're going. We're going long. Um, it's a. It is. It is interesting to think about the passage in Luke 13. I'm not going to use the word parallel that feels similar, um, but specifically in this passage, and I've already touched on it. Is Jesus talking about the Christian heaven and hell, or is he talking about something different here? And if he is talking about something different, what do you, what is he actually trying to say? What is he actually getting at with us? The reason I think we have time for this, I feel like we just hit all we of just those did. points. Yeah. I have, I do have one point. I want okay, to get to. I have nothing else to say on this. I'm yeah. like, I said I mean, the thing. <laughs> I, I, I've said most of what I want to say too. I, I'd say the only other thing I think about here is that there does seem to be a, um, a picture of heaven to me, whatever that's supposed to be, um, in at least in Luke, um, and. I think that there's an idea, like I said before, of the the appetizers here we can have, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there's a there's a there's so many other questions we could ask of this, and I think he, it's hard to do just with the text because I mm-hmm. think you'd have to get into well, what did they think about certain things? Like is is hell annihilation or separation? That's a whole nother question. Or mm-hmm. what did the Jews in Jesus's time think about resurrection? And we see that the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't agree about that. And yeah. you know, so there's lots of little tangents we could go on with this, but I think we've kind of hit the, the main points already. Yeah, I think that um, the thing that fascinates me about the Luke passage is the question that gets asked. Mm. And I think when I look when I look at Matthew 7, I often, like you were saying, Tim, I often think of it, okay, this is about heaven and hell. And but what the question surfaces in me is that desire to have sort of a I want to meet the requirements. Do you might you mind I, just saying what the question is for those who oh, aren't the, well, the question is, will only a few people be yeah, saved? Okay. And uh so I want there's something in me that wants to tick off the checklist. 
mm-hmm. that wants to be able that wants Jesus to give a concise answer to something like that, where he says, "Well, if you do these eight things, or if you follow the Ten Commandments, or if you do this, check all those boxes, then you're in." But what Jesus says in reply to those kind of questions all the time is, "You have to live right." He says to the answer to that question in Luke, he doesn't even answer the question. He hmm. says, make every effort yeah. to yeah. enter through the narrow door. Mm-hmm. It's almost scary not say, to say. He doesn't say, yeah, right? yeah <laughs> only a few people are going to make it. Or right. no, lots of people are going to make it. He says, no, 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 no. You've got, you're asking the wrong kind of yeah. question. Mm. He makes it personal, doesn't he? He makes it personal and says, you need yeah. to make every effort. Yeah, that's a so, good point. I, I think in, in all this, we, we, we've kind of skipped over a couple of things that are actually in the text here. Um, and I kind of want to bring us, part of the reason I think we should ask this question is I want to bring us back to that. And that's what it says. Uh, it says, many enter, it says, uh, broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And I, I don't, Again, I, I could be wrong about, there's a chance I'm wrong about this and everything, really, but there's a chance I'm wrong here. Um, but I, I, heaven and hell just was not such a non-concept for them that I have a hard time believing that's what Jesus is trying to say. But what I do see here that is definitely in the text is that the wide road is really easy to find and that the narrow road is really hard to find and that if we're going to be on the narrow road, it actually takes intention to find it. It's like one of these things that's, uh, if you've ever, my wife and I went to Honduras a couple months ago, and like, there's no real street signs in Honduras. And there are things, especially when you get kind of out of the major cities, that if you don't actually know what you're looking for and where to look for it, uh, you are never finding it. Specific, Google Maps will not help you mm-hmm. in that situation. And I, I kind of view this more like that than Jesus saying, hey, there's not going to be a lot of people saved. Because how many, at this time, that wasn't necessarily the conversation. He's more saying, you have to have intention to find this. If you're going to find life, you don't just stumble on life. Like you can't just, we can't just stumble through our existence and find life, we have to intend and we have to know where to look and we have to do it in a way that's not just kind of passive and hoping everything works out. Like there has to be some intention behind it and we have to go and follow that intention with our actions. Mm. And I, I think I, I just had another idea for a podcast that I'll run by the guys in the break and we'll see <laughs> if we want to ever do that. But uh, but I, I think that's a great way to end it, is that we know we need to have intention if we're going to live out what Jesus has been saying in the Sermon on the Mount. We're not just going to stumble into loving your enemy. We're not going to stumble into not worrying. We're not just going to trip over it. We have to wake up every morning intending to do it and then walking that out the best we can. I just thought of a, a silly example here. Uh, like, do you, you guys been in the car and you, you, I was a map person, but then we got GPS and mm. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, but sometimes you, um, you know, there's construction on a road and you start going somewhere else and it flips out and it's like, keeps trying to take you back to that road. We live in Boston. So by sometimes you mean always. Yeah. 
But it just reminds me that there is a way. There is a way. And there aren't multiple ways. There aren't multiple. There aren't like the broad, huge path. There is a way. And uh, we have to take that way. Yeah. No, that's good. We have time for another question. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick it up next pod. Next time. Thanks, Thank guys. you.